0: Hello, hello. On today's show, Phoenix native Van Comerford returns to again discuss the Phoenix Suns and their playoff run where they are now four wins away from an NBA championship. At the end of the episode, I'm doing Knicks picks. We had an amazing week last week. We are firmly on that march back to the black so be sure to stay tuned for that but to begin with i want to briefly talk about the eastern conference finals the milwaukee bucks defeated the hawks in six games their last two wins being without their two-time mvp Giannis antetokounmpo who is still questionable for game one at the time of this recording the Bucks are headed to the NBA Finals for the third time in their franchise history. Their lone championship being in 1971, with at the time Lou Alcindor, who would you know later become Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So a long time ago for them, 50 years. But uh, a, a couple things here about the Eastern Conference Finals. First, shout out to the Hawks. They had a great season, and like I said last show, I'm. Very interested to see what their offseason looks like coming off of the success of this season and this playoff run specifically. Uh, Second, congrats to the Bucs for making it to the finals. No one on the roster has ever been to the finals. In fact, like in the entire series, Jay Crowder is the only player with any finals experience and that was last year when he was on the Miami Heat and they got swept by the Lakers there in the bubble. So whoever wins this championship coming up, it's going to be a whole new group of champions, which is really cool. But uh, third thing here, I don't know if I've brought this up on the show, but I've definitely been talking to my basketball friends about this, but as the Bucks continue to win here in the playoffs, can they still fire Bud? It looked like he was on his way out for a long time this year, but now it'd be quite strange them to fire him I mean there is some sort of a precedent not maybe going all the way to the finals and getting fired like in basketball but we did have like Mark Jackson with the Golden State Warriors who had success and they still decided to let him go despite you know the players still wanting him to be there and him like I said having success they just knew if they wanted to take that final step they needed a new guy and that ended up being Steve Kerr for them but I don't know if the Bucs can do that now. So they will have a lot of decisions to make this offseason. But uh, fourth and most importantly, what is Giannis's status? Uh, Like I said just a little bit ago, it's still unknown if he's going to play game one. Word was that he could have potentially played game seven if it were necessary, but that's also a, a different decision altogether because it's game seven. I mean, you kind of throw everything at the wall, and if somebody can go, they usually give it a go. But in a game one now, it's a different type of decision where they could potentially, you know, drop the first one or two games and still have a chance in the series if that's what it takes for Giannis to return to like a dominant form. But we, we know they're better with him even though they played pretty well there even without him but also they got incredible drew holiday performances which i don't know if you can count on but the only chance they have in this next series is if he can play like i would be shocked if the bucks won the nba finals and Giannis didn't play so that is the most important thing coming out of this eastern conference finals is Giannis's health status and like, unfortunately, injuries have just dominated a lot of the narrative and competitive balance this year, and these playoffs especially. So I, just, I hope Giannis can come back, play, and we can have a fun championship round. Up next is Van Cummerford. and one note before we go to that conversation, Van and I recorded our segment on Saturday to work around the holiday here, so you will hear me ask Van about the potential of playing either the Hawks or the Bucks, which at the time was still unknown, but I decided to leave it in there because I thought it was fun to hear who he wanted them to play, but we're going to pause for an ad, and then we'll be back with Van. This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Coolers, the best coolers since the ice age. Summer is here and that means it's hot, but that doesn't have to be the fate of your canned or bottled beverage. Mammoth's Chilsky is a double wall vacuum insulated drink holder made with kitchen grade stainless steel. The Chilsky works with both 12 ounce cans and bottles and has a screw on collar that seals the can or bottle securely. It keeps your beverage cold 10 times longer than competitive drink holders. Chilsky comes in a variety of colors, including burnt orange, or maybe we'll just call that the valley orange, or a midnight blue, or a seafoam green. They have tons of colors on there, and you can even customize it with a high-definition laser engraving. All Mammoth products are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit mammothcooler.com, that's M-A-M-M-O-T-H-C-O-O-L-E-R.com to order. And use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word at checkout to get 10% off. Using that code helps Mammoth know you came from us. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring this episode and all of Begonia FM. Joining me on the show, he's a musician, actor, Phoenix native, and tunnel enthusiast, Van Comerford. How's it going, buddy? It's going great. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate you coming on. I gotta ask, do you have a favorite tunnel Oh, man, that is a fantastic question. You know, I
1: think I, I've never been there, but the tunnel between France and England is a
0: modern marvel, if you ask me. An, an incredible feat of engineering.
1: It really is. I mean, like, if you think about, like, how deep it is at, at its lowest point, like how much water and how much pressure is pushing down on that tunnel and how they made it. Actually, they had to tunnel from opposite directions. There was a French team and an English team, and they had to dig at the same time and meet in the middle. And they only had like, th- like only like three meters or like six meters of uh, leeway, like of difference, like between like where they met, like they, they had to be within that, uh, like that distance from each other, like with the, like the tunnels um, and they, and they made it like they, they got in like with like a, a meter to spare. So, like, it was close. Like they, they far surpassed what their limit was. Um, like it was it's amazing
0: how do you pull something like that off are they just do they have boats going back and forth sending messages and they're like surveying like the underground how how does that work I,
1: I don't know I mean it's you know I think they have like mathematical like diagrams that they're always referencing I'm sure that there was like a lot of preparation to make this happen but then the logistics are, are even crazier, like getting all that heavy mach- machinery in there and like getting air to all these guys, making sure like they have water and supplies and then getting all of the dirt out of there. So it's like then as you dig, you have to build the infrastructure continually behind you to then take all of the 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 rubble and everything out. Um, and it's just and the machines themselves, like the, the boring machines are insane that they can just break all that rock um so, okay and it, it like i don't know if you count this as a tunnel but another one is what they dig or what they dug to rescue all those chilean miners i don't know if you follow oh, yeah. that story but incredible like multiple months that they like dug this hole and they had three different uh boring machines going down and it's it's a vertical tunnel but i think it's a tunnel nonetheless um i mean that story is, is incredible um i mean i don't know if any people uh in the the construction of the tunnel had to be rescued or anything but um both of them are amazing tunnels come in all shapes and sizes
0: man they're incredible you are the enthusiast yeah I imagine during the tunnel building that there were a few incidents or two where people's lives were at stake if I would you imagine. or I guess when you I assume at some point you're definitely going to make the drive which way are you going to do it are you going to go england to france or france to england probably england to france
1: if i ever do a, a europe trip i probably go to england first because that's just like that kind of i feel like that eases me into the european experience you know it's like they're kind of like us but they're not us you know we have a, a, a you know a
0: history if you will the same language just different accents
1: the same language different accents sure sure but you know hit all those museums there check out some uh, some more tunnels go in the tube the tube as they say
0: another tunnel
1: and another tunnel exactly and then probably take the channel to go t- check out some more tunnels but you know what tunnels i do not have any interest in going in are the french catacombs i mean i know that they're illegal to go in anyway but like i've seen those videos man and i'm not an especially claustrophobic person but i just don't want to get lost that's the thing like people just get lost and um and then just like die of exposure.
0: Yeah, and trusting the structural integrity of those at any point in time is always a risk and maybe not not worth it. Plenty of tunnels to get to before you get to that one.
1: Oh, totally. But, but I mean, just like the fact that they exist at all is fascinating. Like, it's incredible that they constructed the catacombs. Like, And that's before power tools and before everything. I mean, they're just like chiseling away at this rock underneath the city for... Years, I guess. I mean, there are like, like I think like hundreds of miles of tunnels, like all together.
0: Highly impressive. Very impressive. At at some point, those will get refurbished and everything. On on a long enough timeline, we'll we'll get there.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, they have access. Like you can as a as a, you know, pedestrian, you can access them on tours. Like, but only a very small percentage. Like you know, three percent of all the catacombs and it's like they have big displays and it's like well kept I think. But then the rest of it is completely off limits, but people still go down there and um, they have a name. There's like a French name for them, but I forget exactly what it is, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Even if someone's like, Oh yeah, I, you know, I know this guy, he can get us down there. We can go see all the spots. Like, and it'll be totally fine. Like I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing Hard it. Hard pass. Hard
0: pass. Hard pass. One last question about Chunnel. Do they drive on the right side of the road in France, too? Or is that just in England?
1: That is an excellent question. So definitely, they drive on the left side of the road in England. But in France, they may drive on the right side. So I don't know how that works. I I I, I don't know. But I know for a fact that they do drive on the, the opposite side of the road in England.
0: The incorrect side the incorrect well yeah and there's like
1: there's like only a handful of countries that actually drive on the left side like i thought it was a bigger ratio but i was looking this up a couple years ago and like most of the world drives on the right side so i don't know where they started this you know driving on the left hand side thing
0: yeah it's like the standard unit of measure of road sides you know like we we still use inches and feet and that's Mm -hmm. just that's clearly the incorrect choice
1: yeah it's like the opposite of us using the imperial system and everyone else using the metric system it's like we're on the right side and england's doing their own thing and we don't really understand it and i mean they all they some of their measurements are a little weird too they use like
0: stone for weight yeah. you know it, and I, it's well, like their money's called pounds like that's just confusing. it's very
1: confusing it's very confusing
0: yeah well okay i got one more follow-up question here uh you know, where are you at in your lost rewatch That is a great question. So,
1: uh, still season two, took another little chunk out of it, though. So, they have had their first encounter, uh, real encounter with the others in the forest. Um, Mr. Friendly with the, you know, fake beard, he talks to them saying, you know, this is our island, you cross a line, you know, goes from uh, one thing, something else, there's that. But then the big event that has happened is they have caught... Uh, a man who says he is Henry Gale, this sort of thin, wiry guy um, in the forest. The French woman caught him. They brought him back and she's like, listen, he's one of the others. You got to be careful of this guy. And anyone who's watched the show knows that he is, of course, Benjamin Linus, the leader of the others. Um, and so oh, no. it is. and he's I mean, he's not only is is um, uh, oh, God, what's the actor's name? I'll think of it, but he's a fantastic actor. But then the character that he's playing, Benjamin Linus, also is a fantastic actor because he is just crushing. He's gotten beaten up like three times already. You know, they're trying to beat him, beat the truth out of him. Um, And he's just like holding strong, um, just trying to get
0: done what he wants to do, which is evil and nefarious stuff. He's like the coach of that island. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's trying to take him down and he That's keeps right. rising.
1: That's right. And, then, you know, they have compilation videos online of like every single time people punch him in the face throughout the series. And it is a lot like he gets beaten down constantly. Um, So, yeah, mentally and physically, he has just been pummeled.
0: And we're not rooting for him, though, right?
1: We are absolutely not rooting for him. He is a total scumbag. Like there's like one moment in season four that is kind of redeeming, but, you know, when you start thinking, like, oh, you know, that he's got this good quality, then you're, like, oh, wait, no, he's, like, this awful, awful person, Um, so it doesn't, it does not really cancel it out, but, um, yeah, no, we are not rooting for him, but at this point in the show, we don't even know that he's not Henry Gale, he has just uh, drawn a map, to hit. So he says that he's Henry Gale. He came to the island in a, a like a hot air balloon and it crashed. And his wife died. She got sick. He had to bury her. And so it's this big sob story. And then, but they still don't believe him. And Ana Lucia Michelle Rodriguez. She asks him to draw a map where to where his balloon is. So she, Saeed, and Charlie, they've gone out to look for the balloon. And they are about to find the balloon. And um, that's where we are right now. But uh, so they will find the balloon. But then. Um, It's not revealed until they come back. Saeed talks to Ben and uh, to Henry Gale. And he's like, yeah, you know, we found your balloon, found everything. Your whole story checks out. And he's like, oh, good. You know, he's like, yeah, but I still didn't believe you. So I went to your wife's grave and I dug up that grave. And inside it wasn't a woman that I found. It was a man and he had an ID on him and he pulls out the ID and it says Henry Gale. Whoa. And yeah. And so it's like oh it's insane it's so good and the delivery is great and it's it all happens all those conversations happen in the hatch and it's the spooky vibe and it's great would recommend
0: what a twist imagine if his hunch was wrong and he dug up his dead wife then that guy would become the villain.
1: And well, I mean, Saeed has kind of been a little bit, uh, he's been playing with, uh, you know, being the role of the villain. I mean, he, he, in his life, he is a torturer. He worked for the Republican Guard in the Gulf War and he became a, like a human torturer to like get information out of people. And he's already tortured uh, Sawyer and he's, he's, you know, stabbed people. And he, he uh, exiled himself because he was so ashamed because he said he would never do that again. And that's when he discovered the French woman who they had found her, her um, like audio log, they picked it up with the radio and they and it was like, if they were to find her, she, she it would be like 16 years later, because the audio log had been playing for 16 years. And so you know, he finds her and it's this whole thing. It's like, how are you alive? And then she tells him about the others. And it's, um, I mean, dude, the story building is just out of this world.
0: You've really piqued my interest maybe maybe in one more appearance I'm just gonna have to start it and I'll let you know where I'm at and I'll try to describe the story for the listeners absolutely man and you'll just have to say the characters' names after I'd be like oh yeah that guy Mm-hmm. yeah like there are there are a lot of characters but the character building
1: is fantastic and the way that they, and I think I've said this before but the show is kind of built on flashbacks so each episode is dedicated to a singular character you usually unless it's like a couple or whatever. And you know, events that they're experiencing on the island kind of mirror experience like experience they've had in their previous life, or you know, like earlier in their life, and it's just like this great sort of back and forth. And you just learn so much about each character, and uh, the character development is phenomenal. You, I mean, like, such like whole characters, like, there's really not anything that is like that they leave out. Each person has like a very singular defining characteristic, and like they keep building on that through their flashbacks. And um, so then their motivations and their relationships on the island become like more and more powerful as the show goes on.
0: And that is just so much more rewarding as mm-hmm. a viewer to mm-hmm. really dig into a show in a universe when, yeah, the characters are that well fleshed out
1: completely yeah and in their flashbacks you see that characters like have had small runnings in with each other that they didn't realize and then it's like until you know the characters on the island you know then like it doesn't mean anything but then you see these flashbacks and it's like oh my god like they're like there he is like they they like their paths crossed right here um so it's super cool would recommend
0: All right, well, our paths crossed a couple weeks ago when you came on this show when the Suns punched their ticket to the Western Conference Finals. And now the Suns are headed to the NBA Finals. Let's go, let's go. I don't even care
1: what all the haters are saying right now. We had a soft season, whatever, injuries, playing teams plagued with injuries. I don't even care, dude. Are we in the finals? Are the Suns in the finals? Oh, yeah. The Suns are in the finals. Oh, funny how that works out.
0: All 30 teams had a chance. Uh That's This right. is their first finals appearance since 1993. We discussed True. that last time and their third appearance overall. They are the first NBA team ever, ever, to reach the finals after previously missing the playoffs for a decade. Let's go. Do you know what they're preseason Vegas odds were for this season to win the championship?
1: Oh dude, it was so low. They were like sixteenth in line or something behind like fifteen other teams to win it.
0: Probably somewhere around there. I don't have the whole list.
1: But it was like what, like nine percent?
0: Uh it was yeah, it was plus four thousand or forty to one. Yeah. So for every dollar you bet you would win forty dollars back. Yeah. So what what do you think their odds are now?
1: I think it's probably closer to even than I would like to think. Um, ju- especially if the Bucks win. Um, I mean, the Bucks can be a little scary. I mean, who knows what's happening with Giannis? I mean, they say his knee doesn't have any structural in, uh, damage to it. Um, you know, so the jury's still out if, if he's coming back or not.
0: I don't understand how there could be no structural damage. Dude, from- that was
1: brutal. That, like... Ah, oh, thinking about my knee going backwards and then seeing it. Oh, dude, that's like that scares me so much. I couldn't believe yeah. it. when I saw it live. I was like, "Oh, he's he's done. Like he's done for the season. Like there's no way. That's like he just completely eviscerated his knee."
0: Yeah, that's what it looked like. I mean, I guess that guy is indestructible. Uh their odds now the Suns currently are a minus 175 or that's like 0.57 to 1. Mm-hmm. So Basically, you have to, you know, bet $175 to win $100 back at this point. So compared to that 40 to 1, mm-hmm. you know, wow, what, what a run here for the Suns. And just for the gamblers out there, the Bucks are a plus 185 and the Hawks are a plus 1200 right now. So that just kind of okay. gives you an idea yeah. of the landscape. The Suns are obviously the favorites because they've already gotten to the finals. Gotten to the
1: finals. And we, you know, swept Denver and just kind of had have had a, like a solid playoff performance so far like i think there's a lot going for us
0: totally but before we talk about the finals i do want to talk here about the western conference finals with the clippers last time you were on the clippers jazz series was still in progress Mm -hmm. but you did say that you wanted to play the clippers i did yeah this was before chris paul had to enter the covid protocol system Mm -hmm. was ruled out for games one and two so by the time that series began with you all in the Clippers, what was your confidence level at that point? How are you feeling about the Suns' chances, knowing that Chris Paul wasn't going to be there the first couple games?
1: I was still feeling pretty good, um, especially just knowing how, like, campaign has been really picking it up and uh, picking up the scraps. Um, so I, I was confident that we would still have a, a good showing, at the very least, that the games would be close for the first two you know or for however long Chris Paul was gonna be out I mean we didn't know if he was gonna be out for the whole series for a couple games for one game um so I'm glad it was just two games um but I was still feeling pretty good I mean I was not excited to hear the news about Chris especially with how kind of hush hush they were being about it I didn't really know exactly like what he was experiencing, what the protocols were, like, is he vaccinated? Does that affect how long he stays out? And um, so I think just the the level of uncertainty uh, with Chris Paul was very high, but my confidence level, like it, it dipped slightly, but not by much because I really think we have a, a, one of the deepest benches in the whole league and campaign. I was, I was confident in campaign and obviously he showed that, in in, uh, game two
0: yeah you said a campaign comes in for the scraps is he the frank reynolds of this Suns team (laughs) uh you could say that yeah they're similar heights all right who's who's the dennis who's the dennis oh my god i think it has to be chris paul
1: yeah i would say that that's that's probably good i mean and then me I, i hate to say that booker is like mac or someone but i don't even know Maybe Jay Crowder is
0: Mac. Okay. Okay. The oh, and then ring. and then maybe and then maybe Booker is Sweet D. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Sweet D Booker. Sweet D Booker. Uh, then who's Charlie?
1: Oh man, maybe like Monty or something. I don't know. That, <laughs> <laughs> that that doesn't feel right.
0: But like, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's like Frank Kaminsky.
1: <laughs> yeah, Frank. Did you see when he crushed that beer on the like on the little rally that they had when they got back to town? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I feel like that's that's accurate. I feel like that, that that's accurate.
0: I'm on a 24/7 Frank Kaminsky watch. At, just at all times, I'm following the arboretum. Wherever he goes, I go.
1: I love Frank the Tank. What a guy!
0: But uh, if if losing Chris Paul for games one and two wasn't enough, Devin Booker got his nose broken in mm-hmm. like three thousand different places, mm-hmm. and then you know he's had a tough time adjusting to the mask, sporadically tossing it aside whenever he can't handle wearing it. How, have you ever broken your nose? You know, um,
1: slightly, not as bad as as Devin Booker, but I used to do wrestling back in high school, and I did a tournament my freshman year where I was going against this guy, and he was being really aggressive, and after, like, the, the second that the match started, he literally just came in and head-butted me right in my nose, and then, you know, and it's just like, I mean, it's so jarring having your nose smashed like that like especially with someone's forehead Um, which i guess that's what happened to book really but the the angle at which he got hit was was much different he got it from the side and that just like you know oh that's a that's a much worse angle
0: well and then they have to re-break it Mm -hmm. to fix it and then he's getting hit multiple times more in this series and that's like one of the most severe pains there is, yeah. is just getting hit mm-hmm. in the nose. Your eyes like automatically water. Everything swells up. Oh, you yeah. You get a headache right in mm-hmm. the front of your head. Yeah. And your nose just starts bleeding profusely. And it's like,
1: oh, just like your face is just like kills. It's on fire.
0: Yeah, I I can't imagine what the last 2 weeks has been like for him. Even trying to sleep and I yeah. I, I imagine it's just been the worst. And mm-hmm. I, I'm surprised that he committed to Team USA, but I guess we'll see by the end what he decides to do. But like what were people there in Phoenix saying about the nose mask situation?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people share the same sentiment like I think at you know, at a certain level Devin Booker understands like by wearing the mask, you know, he's, he's kind of just protecting himself from, um, further damage, but also just the pain, you know, I think the pain probably like he's been playing it cool, but, um, like we were just saying, I mean, the pain is so immense, especially if you get, you know, hit even a little bit. Um, so I think he was just trying to kind of avoid that kind of thing. Um, but he definitely had, you know, issues adjusting to the mask, uh, which, you know, was shown in the, the first game that he wore the mask and he ripped it off and then Um, But I think I I do like his dedication to getting good playing with the mask. I think that'll just like help him throughout his career. You know, it's kind of like, I mean, like putting on the mask for him was kind of like King Leonidas taking off his helmet at the end of 300, how it kind of like, he's so used to doing it one way that like just having this like immediate change, like with weight on your head or your face, just like throws off your, your, um, your accuracy
0: Interesting. I get much more like Jason Voorhees vibes from his mask. Yeah,
1: yeah. well, I mean, like, I mean, he, just he's like the
0: scariest looking guy in a mask in a while. It, to- it's a little totally. unnerving. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. why.
1: It's like, it's like maybe because it kind of presses his face. It's kind of like how your face looks in like a um in like a stocking. You know, like like robbers if they put their 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 face in like a stocking cap or at like stockings, I guess you know to rob a bank. You know what I'm t- saying?
0: absolutely that that's a great way of putting it
1: it kind of like flattens your face and it makes you look really weird yeah um so i think there's that but with the king leonidas thing i'm just saying like because king leonidas right he's badass the whole movie and then he takes off the helmet and like he throws the spear at xerxes and he misses and he tells he says that you know because it's like taking off the mat the helmet kind of like messed with his the balance on his head and, uh, and he just wasn't used to throwing spears without the helmet on and i think that's kind of like the same idea applies to book like putting on the mask he's not used to it, it kind of like changes his vision a little bit maybe um because in 300 they said you know that the helmet like narrowed his vision and then he took it off and he, he could like see everything and it kind of messed with him so but but you know just like practice makes perfect and i think it's it's good that he's playing with it i think you we can see that there's been an improvement with um his shot making abilities wearing the mask just you know during the time that he's been wearing it
0: yeah well and, and, and a player like rip hamilton eventually didn't give it up rip just kept it on for the rest of his career because he was <laughs> he got used to wearing it and then when you have your face protected it's a little bit easier to cut off a screen without having to worry about getting popped in the face at least yeah, you know yeah. it's you're it's like wearing a shin guard but a face totally
1: guard. absolutely like I, I don't think it's that crazy of an idea especially with how much people get hit in the face when basketball i mean that's what devin booker was saying like he didn't really realize, I think he's on record saying he didn't really realize how often he was getting hit in the face yeah. until he took off the mask and he was just like very cautious of getting hit in the face because of his nose.
0: That's a physical game, especially at this point in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I got a little bit of Devin Booker trivia here for you. Do you know the points per game that he is averaging this season?
1: The whole season? Yep. Um it's like
0: it's a lot. It's like um is it like as high up as 30? Not not to 30. It, what, what about the playoffs? I didn't look up the playoff number. Okay, is it like 20 26? Basically 25.6 points per game. Okay. What did Charles Barkley average during that 92-93 run to the finals?
1: Um oh dude, I during uh during the the whole season?
0: Yep. I want to
1: say they were talking about this on NBA on TNT. It's got to be up there, too. Like, maybe 20, 27. It was it was a lot, I think.
0: 25.6. Really? Really. Wow. Yeah, and I discovered this on, myself on cool. Basketball Reference. I, I'm sure, yeah, that the TNT crew probably covered mm-hmm. it with Charles being on the broadcast. But maybe I should throw it in a tweet just to be like, hey, what up, StatMuse? Mm-hmm. That's super cool. That's super interesting. Right? He was 25.6 a game, 12 rebounds and five assists. That's ridiculous. That's awesome. <laughs> That's so good. People forget about how dominant Barkley was. They really do. Like it. Was, he was a freak. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Booker's like you think he's an all-star, a top 20 player in the league right now, and he's 25.6 and then four and four.
1: Yeah. Those. Charles Davis rebound- Morris. Yeah, dude, 12 and, rebounds. And he's not even that tall. Like I like people have, that's been one of the things about Charles Barkley. Like he is fantastic at rebounding. And he was always a few inches shorter than the tallest guys. And he really had to get up there for those rebounds. Very impressive.
0: Incredibly impressive. Uh, you mentioned uh, the scraps man earlier campaign. Mm-hmm. He went down in this series as well. Uh, there during Game Three, which combined with CP3's slow return after his 10-day COVID mm-hmm. protocol break, it opened the door ever so slightly there for the Clippers. And even after four games, the Clippers had outscored the Suns in the series despite being down 3-1. Hmm. I think the series was incredibly close, and I made this point. I I, I just did a solo show last week, but I mm-hmm. got into this like the the point differential being so pro Clippers and you know a couple of free throws by Paul George you know you don't get the valley oop a few plays go differently you guys are down 3-1 but was there ever a point in the series that you were worried or like when was your confidence level the lowest during this series
1: yeah i'd say i'd say after game 5
0: interesting
1: i was still confident you know especially coming back to phoenix and having that game Um, I, I felt like it was kind of in the bag. Like, I, I don't like, I I was really, really confident, um, but not like, I don't know. I didn't feel like it was like completely in the bag, but I felt incredibly confident coming back to Phoenix, having that crowd, having everyone back. And it was just like, oh, you know, like, this is where we ended. We're going to end it at home and it's going to be good. We're going to go to the finals. And then we lost and, you know, Reggie Jackson went off and Paul George went off and, um, and, I can't, and I think uh, was it game five that Morris was also going off. Morris was going off in game six as well. Um, I mean, he's been one of the, like the the sleepers. Like I'm, I'm kind of blown away that he played so well,
0: especially coming off of injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really impressive performance there mm. uh, by Marcus Morris.
1: Absolutely, um, but but after that loss, it was kind of like, oh, okay, now we're going to Los Angeles. Um, That's not good. And it wasn't like, it wasn't like a super close game either game five. Like it, it, it was, I felt like it should have been more contested and the fact that it was not kind of surprised me. And I was just, yeah, a little worried going back to LA and just kind of kept thinking like, Oh God, is this the, you know, the Arizona sports curse? Are we going to join an elite squad of people who have lost three, one, or at least gone Uh, you know, down three, one, or at least gone to a game seven um, off of a a three, one lead. Um, Right. And And
0: Chris, Paul has three, one demons as Mm -hmm. well.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I I was, I was definitely probably the most worried after that game. You know, I think that there are, there are reasons to, to be worried after, after other games, especially like, like you said, when campaign went down um, with that knee injury, I was really worried that that was, serious that he was going to be out and you know chris paul wasn't going to have any help off the bench uh which i think it could have been killer but um you know he he was back and and everything was fine but after game five yeah i was i was worried
0: i I think that's understandable especially yeah with everything that you just laid out there after game three i was a little bit worried for you guys because i mean you barely squeaked out those first two wins Mm -hmm. and then they won pretty handily there in game three when Chris Paul was back and I was just worried that you guys were going to expect the Chris Paul that you had leading up to the series to just come back and be in perfect rhythm that's just really hard to be off of basketball for two weeks let alone off of two weeks and possibly having COVID as well we've seen people come back really slowly from everybody's body handles COVID Mm -hmm. differently. Yeah. And so I was a little bit nervous for you guys at that point, but like I just mentioned there in game two, you guys kind of pulled off the miracle with uh, what's being called the Valley Oop. So Valley Oop, that's right. 30 seconds here. Walk me through your experience. Where were you sitting? (laughs) What were you thinking? Just
1: out in the living room, man, watching the team. I did not sit down for the last, like, five minutes of that game like I couldn't I was like pacing back and forth I could not like just chill out and uh
0: hashtag stand with van please please we'll get it started yep
1: that's right and especially for the last two minutes you know from you know all the stoppages and the back and forth uh drained shots and um but yeah with with that that final sort of uh sequence of uh you know f- fouling Paul George and like knowing what had to be done and it's just like oh well you know if he makes one of these then you know we can still win it on a three we can tie it with a two um but if he makes both of them which he probably will I mean we were all thinking that he was just like oh this is his moment you know to to seize this game then it becomes a he hadn't
0: missed back to back free throws all season
1: I know exactly and that's all I could think about I was like oh well here we go. Okay. It's probably at the very least going to be a two point game and probably going to be a three point game. And that's going to be really tough. But like after the first miss, I, I like, I started screaming. And then the second one, like I couldn't even contain myself. I mean, I was just like jumping up, running all around. It was in incredible, but then, but then still knowing that there's uh, you know, what was it like eight seconds left on the clock at that point, you know, not that much time and uh knowing kind of what we had to had to do and still had to make a shot but that that the the final uh alley-oop to Aiton was like like I like I think my mind just like melted like I couldn't even like handle how awesome it was and especially how like all the commentators were saying you know like really you know the only thing that they can do is like throw it in for like an alley-oop like that's really all I can see like you can't really get a shot off Unless it's just like an somehow an instant shot and like, and it's like right off of your hands with like point one left, you know, because it's
0: right point point four seconds is the least amount of time right that you're legally in professional basketball allowed to like catch and shoot. Hmm. You know? Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, even that play you guys had like nine seconds there. You brought it down. And you missed that three, and it. Just I know from bridges, miss, but it yeah. misses by enough to go out of bounds in mm-hmm. time. Like. like you guys got a few really, really lucky bounces, which every team that ever wins a championship does. Like, mm-hmm. this is, I'm not being like, oh, you guys are winning by luck. Like the Royals, when we won the World Series, you know, if a few balls bounce one way, we get an extra run. That's the difference mm-hmm. in winning a game. And did you, okay, did you know the rule too that there's no goaltending on a pass from out of bounds? I didn't,
1: I did not know that rule. I did not I know knew that, that rule. rule.
0: I knew that rule, and that was because of the Phoenix Suns, and they did mm-hmm. it like three years before, and Devin yeah. Booker even talked about that, and I'm just such a sicko with my podcast that, mm-hmm. shout out to, they were the starters at the time, but the No skies guys, they covered that intensely at the time, because we didn't know the rule at the time, and that was like a really cool loophole rule, mm-hmm. was that like, there's no goaltending from an out-of-bounds pass because it can't legally be a shot because Mm -hmm. you're not allowed to shoot from out-of-bounds.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think I didn't even realize, like, that it would have potentially been goaltending that people were... Because, like, it happened so fast. And, like, I I didn't really even see, like, that he caught it, you know, over the hoop and, like, where he caught it. And and so, like, it went... And I just started freaking out. And then people were saying, oh, wait, you know, some players are thinking this might be goaltending. And then, like, I watched it again. It's like oh no way like there's no way and then you know and then they cl- and then they cleared up uh what the rule was but
0: Van Guttier was pretty quick on the call he knew the rule but yeah there was a little bit of yeah confusion and aiden, there with i mean
1: that. aiden was worried too like you can see like i wish that aiden had had that awesome highlight and then just like you know flexed on all of them and just like went crazy but he was kind of like he did it. And he was like oh like you like, was this okay? Like, is that goaltending? Like, what's going well, on here?
0: He he also grabbed the jersey of the defender, just slammed him into the screen illegally. Like, eh, even yeah. the two-minute report had that. <laughs> I think that's more what he was concerned about. It was, it's almost like like when a cornerback deflects a pass, and before they talk trash, they look for the yellow on the field. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, did they catch me for that holding? No? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's that like, was yeah, all Yeah, let's me. go, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think there was a little bit of that. And also, did I catch it in time? Mm-hmm. I don't think he was thinking specifically about that goaltending. So I think the Suns knew at that point, the yeah. rule. But maybe, yeah. maybe Aiden wasn't fully brought in on that. Like they didn't maybe like actually discuss it in that particular timeout. But right.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I think that was a theme just with the whole series. I think there that there were a lot of missed calls, and but on both sides, I think it just kept kind of going back and forth. Like the refs would realize they missed a call, then they might have like intentionally missed a call on the other team. It kind of just kept. It was a really scrappy series. Like there could have been a lot of things called on both teams that just didn't get called. It Um, was
0: it was a scrappy series. So coming out of it, which Clipper do you sports hate the most?
1: I mean. I think the I think the obvious answer is Patrick Beverly, you know, I think that's like, uh, like, if I don't say Patrick Beverly's name, I think, uh, you know, I'll get some heat.
0: He has to be brought up. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, he's just, a, a you know, a, a dirty player in general. Like, I, like, I think he could have solidified himself. As being, you know, that sort of scrappy-do type character, you know, where he has really good defense, but he's just like, he talks a lot of trash and, you know, but like he makes up for it with his his good defense. Then he just like, he always gloats after doing like the most minimal of things. He's like, you know, mocks players when he injures them and, you know, and then obviously the shove on Chris Paul was completely out of line and we'll see what, you know, kind of comes of that. I mean, cause that was just like. That was, like, really awful. I mean, Chris Paul didn't even say a word to him. He looked at him, sure.
0: Disgusting. Like, that's so far outside of bounds. Like, I don't know if you saw today, he's suspended for one game starting next season. But I think you low-key just came up with, like, the best nickname ever for Pat Bev was Scrappy-Doo.
1: Scrappy-Doo. Yeah, that's, like, what he is. Like,
0: nobody likes Scrappy-Doo, but it's, like... Nobody. He was, like... (laughs) When he came on Scooby-Doo, people were, like, what the... Is this like right? It's like, but he's part of the crew, and like, they're just
1: gonna keep him there. And he's like, he, you know, so annoying, like, he serves a purpose, but he's really annoying, and it's just like, you don't like him, and he's really small too. So,
0: yeah, no, it's perfect. I will forever refer <laughs> to him as Scrappy Doo.
1: but you know, but I, I also, I'm not a big fan of Boogie Cousins. I think Boogie Cousins, um, just he's he gets uh really physical, um, and I think. It's interesting. Like when I saw that sort of elbow that they threw on Chris Paul, like Chris Paul obviously overreacted, I think, on purpose. And I think, you know, but that's sort of to That's be ex- Chris, Paul's that's Chris out. Paul. Exactly. But like to to say that that Boogie Cousins didn't do anything and was just like trying to get the ball or whatever. That's that's just not true. Like there it is very obvious that he threw the elbow. He missed. He like, you know, kind of grazed Chris Paul's neck and like hit his shoulder. But, um, you know, if he was actually looking where he wanted to throw that elbow, like he could have seriously hurt Chris Paul. But just in general, Boogie Cousins is is a really physical, very hot headed guy. I mean, we all know that having watched a bunch of basketball and like and he sh- I, I had forgotten after like game two. I think after the value Boogie shoved um, Booker after the game, like at, at center court. Yeah, Um, you can see when everyone's like on on the court. So.
0: I was, I was, I mean, shoot, I'm a Kings fan, so I feel like I know Boogie mm-hmm. better than most NBA fans. Yeah, incredibly frustrating. He made some watch. amazing he's, shots, though. Exa- he has so much talent, like he obviously mm-hmm. has put in so much work. It's just he's never been able to yeah, turn off his emotions, at least to the degree to where or, or channel his emotions into like successfully playing basketball. It always takes him out of the game, it seems. But I, I think those are two great choices there. I think I would have those as well with like. On the, on the far other end, you have Paul George, who seems like a pretty chill dude overall.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Paul George seems seems really chill, and I was I was really impressed with you know his performance when Kawhi went out, um, especially in game. Uh, what was that five where he dropped like. Was it like 41 or?
0: I think it was 41.
1: 41, yeah. Um, you know, a really impressive
0: performance. You know, he's a great shooter. Smooth as hell. Very like smooth. his game. His game is so pretty to mm-hmm. watch.
1: I just don't like. I just don't like the way that he drives to the hoop. Like he does, he he's very like Harden esque in my opinion when he drives to the hoop. He kind of like tucks the ball in like a football and then just kind of like runs through and like and before he takes the shot, he always like shoves someone and then kind of like takes the shot the other way. And it's like, eh, I think he could have more. Fin- I think he's capable of more finesse and like I don't think he needs to kind of just constantly be trying to draw fouls. Um, it's just. It's not fun to watch. Just like why I don't like watching James Harden.
0: Fair. But he also did play like literally 150 more minutes than the next most player in the playoffs. Like that dude was having to find ways to rest during the game. His stamina is crazy. That it's so impressive. It really is. I I I went on a whole soliloquy last show, but yeah, everyone just needs to get off of Paul George's back and like just appreciate him while he's playing. He's a phenomenal basketball player.
1: Absolutely. He's a fantastic player. One hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think probably the person I'm most impressed with and the person that I have the most respect for, if we can kind of flip this other, you know, f- you know, flip the coin here is Reggie Jackson. I think Reggie Jackson is he seems like such a stand up guy, seems just really genuine. I mean, we all saw that that postgame presser, um, Absolutely, you yeah. know, very. Uh, you know, emotional and it sounded like he had some personal issues that, you know, this group of guys really helped him through. Um, but then uh, basketball wise, he's fantastic, dude. He can make like any three pointer that he sets his mind to. He's got really good handles and he's got awesome style. So
0: he, he's literally not figuratively the number one player in isolation in basketball currently. Wow. Like the next people on the list are all the people you'd expect, like Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. James Harden, mm-hmm. Steph Curry, all these players in isolation. Reggie Jackson is the most efficient player in isolation in professional basketball. So it, yeah, shout out so, to So it's really
1: impressive. Shout out to his Rec specs. Shout out to his his uh mouth guard to his shoe his me his um uh, his different color shoes, dude. The sleeves the, the sleeves, the t-shirt underneath. He, it's like every,
0: everything he added just gave him like a new superpower. <laughs> yeah. he, he, he was like putting together like Thanos' gauntlet, mm-hmm. you know, just adding <laughs> stones yeah. one at a time. Yeah. Oh, I got the glasses stones yeah. <laughs> now. Now I have like the vision. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Yeah.
1: He's he's great. You know, he seems like a really genuine guy. And I just I I would like him to be on a team that that goes to the finals. That'd be cool. I think he deserves it.
0: That's a good call. Well, uh, I asked you last time who you wanted to play in the next series, so I figured we could do that again. Who do you want to play in the finals? Would you rather play the Bucks or the Hawks?
1: I mean, I would rather play the Hawks. I think that'd be really fun. I think that would just be like an overall really fun series. I think it would be more like higher stakes if we played the Bucks, but Playing the Hawks, I think it'd be really fun. I think you'd have two of these sort of lesser teams, whatever you want to call it, dueling off against each other. And I think it'd be really fun to watch. Um, I think the intensity would be very high. And I think you're going to see some insane shots. Like people are just going to try and like make a name for themselves on these, uh, you know, to really stand out on, on these teams because they're not, you know, it's not like it's Giannis or, uh, you know, Brooke Lopez or some of these like big names. So I, I I would like to see the Hawks win the series. I mean, I know that that's not as possible, but
0: it, 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 yeah, they're, d- they're down three, two and Trey yeah. Young is dealing with that mm-hmm. bruise in his foot. Mm-hmm. But yeah, a, a healthy Hawks team versus a healthy Suns team. You're right is so exciting and does introduce casual NBA fans to a whole new group of stars that they're going to see for a while. i mean, Devin Booker is here to stay. Mm-hmm. Trey Young is here to stay. John Collins You know, Herder there and for the Herder, (laughs) yeah, Huerta, yeah, Uh What is he? Red Velvet, aka uh, (laughs) is that what they call him? Red Velvet, Red Velvet or Game Seven, Kevin is the other one that was getting thrown around after his incredible Game Seven performance there in the previous series. But yeah, no, I agree. That would be super exciting. I mean, if it is the Bucks and the Suns. That's a real legacy series Mm -hmm. for both Giannis and Chris Paul because whoever wins, it totally changes how we look at them forever. Yeah. Because, like, right now, Giannis has those two MVPs, a defensive player of the year. Mm -hmm. And it's always, yeah, but. And with Chris Paul, it's kind of the same thing. He's like 11 time All Star, 10 time All NBA, nine time All Defense. I believe that's how it goes 11, 10, Olympian
1: as well, multiple gold medals yeah. i think at least two but he had
0: never even reached the finals. so he's mm-hmm. already almost you know in cha- legacy changing uh he's almost in a legacy changing place right now but if he were to put like the cherry on top it, it vaults him even further you know yeah. above all these other point guards and i'm not a huge person of like oh who was better or whatever but there's definitely just being a part of the conversation is important to me you know and like certain players like tony parker always gets left off of the greatest all-time point guard list and i just don't stand for that <laughs> and yeah i think chris paul was maybe going to be headed that way in 20 years had he not had this run mm-hmm. you know what i mean
1: i do yeah well and i think you put it nicely saying that it would be just the cherry on top like he had he regardless like i think he was going to be um, you know, Hall of Famer and would be like so highly respected for years and years and years as one of the greatest point guards of all time. But getting to the finals and potentially winning the finals at this stage in his career, it's exactly that. It's a cherry on top. It's just like, you know, the chef's kiss, like right there for everyone to see. It's like, listen, you know, this is this is me. This is how I'm finishing my career. This is like I'm going to I'm going to peak right now.
0: Yeah, it, it's like the the end of the Departed. You're like, oh, that was a cool movie, and then the last ten minutes happens, and you're like, holy you're like, shit!
1: Oh, <laughs> wow. Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but how are you feeling about the Suns' chances to win it all?
1: I, I mean, I feel good, man. Like, I, I feel good as long as everyone stays healthy, and um, sure. you know, and I mean, that's this whole playoffs. So that's been the the asterisk at, at you know, for all these series, but. Um, you know, if, if Booker can can play with the mask and, and get that situated and and Chris Paul can keep holding it down and and, and Jay and Mikhail and, and the supporting cast can just uh you know really kick it into high gear. I think we'd have a chance against the Bucks. I think I think we could win a Hawks series. Like I feel confident about winning a Hawks series, but the Bucks is where it quickly becomes real. Like that's a that's a tough series. Like that I feel like going up against the Bucks would be a similar feeling to how I felt when we played the Lakers. Like I felt like we were up against it in the playing the Lakers. It was like, I, you know, I feel like we can win this. Like, I think we have the talent here, but it's like the same time when AD is dropping, you know, 35 points back to back and it's like, nobody can guard him. It's like, oh man, this is like, this is tough.
0: A healthy AD, the Lakers win the championship this year. I'm so confident about that. Uh, But I mean, that's just not, that's why they play the games, you know, again, not holding it against any of the teams that are there. I think that the Bucks minus Giannis, because we still don't know if he'll be back, and if right. he's back, he's definitely not going to be like the Giannis that we're used to. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be similar to the Clippers. I think it'll be like a six-game yeah. series. They're going to get some gutsy wins because they have players like P.J. Tucker mm-hmm. and like real veteran guys who aren't phased by the moment. They're going to come in and play well on the road or at home. Right. But I, th- I think you guys just have more talent, and you guys are just going to run them off the court.
1: I mean, I, I hope so. I mean, personally, I... I am a little scared of, of Brooke Lopez. Like, I just think Brooke Lopez is probably going to be one of the, the toughest bigs that Aiden has played against. Um, He's really physical, really big, and he can shoot the three ball. Um, Like he's got a nice jump shot. Uh, And I mean, Aiden doesn't shoot threes. So that's one thing that Brooke Lopez has on him. Um, But I just hope that Aiden can like really just get physical, not, but not like, Overly physical and like foul and like just kind of uh, you know take cheap shots, but just to kind of go, uh, just sort of like tit for tat with yeah yeah don't back down exactly absolutely
0: yeah yeah meet meet his level of aggression. I Mm -hmm. I I don't know you're you're totally right. That is going to be an X factor in the series, but I think it's all those switchable guards that you guys have to throw at Middleton Mm -hmm. and to go at Drew Holiday. I think you guys have just enough speed, athleticism, and just shot making to push them to their limit so i i feel good about your guys chances maybe i'm a little bit biased because i i want you all to win i don't have any milwaukee bucks uh friends right. fans friends so i i you know i i hope phoenix wins but uh me too man that'd be it'd be incredible how many cha- how many championship series like or games for all phoenix teams have you been alive for
1: one the only one that we have the d-backs 2001
0: right but you guys were in the Super Bowl right in 2010
1: oh oh you, oh, you mean just like like championship games
0: yeah oh yeah.
1: um then uh I mean there's the the whole uh there's the the 2001 World Series but then also yeah the 2008 Super Bowl that'd be the only one the only other
0: one all right so you when were you born 94 five. 95. Okay. Yeah. So you weren't even alive for that first run. I mean, right. I'm exactly. Like, yeah. I'm, I was, I was like technically alive, you know, mm-hmm. but it's like, you know, I was three years. Not, I just watched the highlights.
1: Yeah. But I, dude, I remember the 2008 Super Bowl very well. I mean, that was like, I was in middle school. And so, you know, and I was, I was following the cards and I was into it. And um, I remember like I went to a, like a watch party. And I was hanging out with my friends. We were throwing the football, playing like pickup football in the park, oh, yeah. like leading up to it, like cooking up burgers and dogs, like getting ready, kind of uh, tailgating, you know what you can do tailgating when you're 13 years old or whatever. But it was fantastic. I mean, the I, I have my own opinions of that game. I, I, it's tough to talk about, I will say, because I just start getting heated, especially with, uh, you know, that that final catch in the corner we, of the end we, zone. We, but, we talked
0: about it, you yeah. Know, it's Antonio Holmes. Yeah, okay, yeah, exactly. Well, but but yeah, so, this so is too. like your first one of adulthood, like That's right. real yeah. true adulthood. Oh, mm-hmm. that it's so exciting. It is, like, man. Genuinely. Yeah, I think yeah. about
1: that a lot. I do. I really do. It's like, and especially at this point, because like, you know, I wasn't following the NBA my whole life. You know, I, I mean, I, I you know i liked the nash era but i didn't like follow it as much as i follow the nba now um so it's really cool to be a part of this now like where i know all the players and you know know the different teams and just like i don't know just like i truly i feel like i follow basketball pretty closely and it's it's awesome to to have that as like a background it's like kind of like what i was saying earlier about like how you know doing fantasy football kind of enhances your experience of watching football. It's like when you follow basketball that enhances your experience of watching, it's like you, you can, you can watch any sport as a casual fan, but if you're just, if you're, if you're actually following the sport and, and watch the games and have seen the trends and have seen all the games of the series and it's like, it just, it ups the experience, it heightens it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Once you understand like the narratives and yeah, everything that goes on to like, get to this moment yeah of course Mm -hmm. it's almost like yeah you can come in and watch the finale of a tv show and be like oh but it's going to mean a lot more if you watched all the seasons leading up to that finale
1: 100 percent, yeah
0: are you planning on going to any finals games
1: i would i would like to i i looked at um tickets like a couple weeks ago or maybe like a week week and a half ago And they were, you know, it's like, cause I haven't like, I've never been to the finals and I figured that they were going to be expensive tickets. I was like, yeah, maybe like, maybe I'll spend, you know, like 500 bucks on it or whatever. And, but they're like, they're significantly more expensive. So I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to take that plunge, but I'll definitely be going downtown, uh, regardless and just like hanging out bar hopping and like hanging out with all the fans and, uh, and just like get my celebration on if we win.
0: Oh, amazing. And like I said, if, if you guys win the championship, I'm gonna do my absolute best to get out there to Phoenix to for the parade. For the parade. Uh, said- yeah,
1: man. It's like I can't I don't even like know what a parade would even look like down here, you know, because like the last time we won was 2001.
0: It's gonna be so hot.
1: Oh, it's gonna be really hot. I mean hopefully they do it in like the evening ish. I don't know. I don't know. They they have to plan it out a little bit, but it's gonna it's gonna be hot.
0: It'll be hot. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, one more thing before I let you go here. Um, the NCAA is finally allowing athletes to make money off their name and likeness. Mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of sports fans out there saw the news. But you are a USC alum who has no. had Reggie Bush's back for as long as I've known you. Like one of our very first conversations when I met you. We we talked about Reggie Bush and the Heisman because like you talked about to go into USC and I, of course, I just have to be like, oh, sports. That's what I know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I just want to give you like 60 seconds in the floor here on Reggie Bush and uh, what what you think should be done. And
1: listen, so here's the deal. USC has OJ Simpson's Heisman trophy on display and they do not have Reggie Bush's Heisman trophy on display now. You may think that's totally fine, but personally, I think there's something a little wrong with that, um, and the NCAA is to blame, so I think we're well on the path to getting that back, there's still hoops that need to be jumped through, but I surmise that it will be reinstated, but there's there are definitely hoops to jump through, um, I think it's a long time coming, obviously, Reggie Bush received money and th- things and whatever it was like, it's th- that happened. Like you can't deny that. That absolutely happened. But did any of that affect what he did on the field? Absolutely not. How, like, how does that affect what you do on the field? There's literally not like no correlation between those two things. So I think the NCAA just like wanted to punish him somehow. And so they punished him by taking away his Heisman trophy. Cause that's something that he valued. It wasn't like, you know something that had any correlation to uh what rules he broke um so it's been a long time coming he absolutely deserves the heisman back and it'll be amazing to visit campus and and see the heisman right there uh next to oj's
0: oh <laughs> uh, it will be nice to see reggie bush's heisman there and you know, shockingly, when they took away the Heisman, the NCAA didn't give back all the millions of dollars of revenue that he generated for them. Mm-hmm. That oh, was a, that was an okay part of what happened, mm-hmm. but not not Reggie Bush generating money for Reggie Bush.
1: Right, it's completely one sided. I mean, the NCAA has so many like like issues that the that they need to answer for. Like it it is it's awful, man.
0: Yeah, this is like the. F- First step, the NCAA is dipping their toe into the water of mm-hmm. trying to become a reputable institution, but Which they is a have tough, not done a it. Which is
1: tough feat, if you ask me at this point. But yeah, no, it's exciting. It really is exciting. And, you know, I hope players can capitalize this or capitalize on this and, um, you know, start making some money. I,
0: I completely agree but we, we can't we can't end on like a super down note. So what's your official prediction for the finals? Games, how many games, who's gonna win it, when, where?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it is fair to I mean it depends on who we play. I think, you know, if we play the Bucks, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if Giannis is there, I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to game six, maybe even a game seven. I would be shocked if it goes to game seven with either of these teams, especially, um, the bucks. But, um, I think Hawks we win in five at home. And I think bucks, uh, I'll push it back a little bit. I think we win on the road in, in six because we're a fantastic road team and you know, that's been shown this entire season and the last playoff series. So that's my prediction. I,
0: I love this confidence van. I'm so it dude. Come yeah, on! this is amazing I, I
1: love it it's fantastic i can't but like we're here you gotta go all in you gotta bet on the suns man
0: totally yeah don't take the moment for granted man enjoy it uh i want to thank you for coming on the show thanks for having anything anything to plug a twitter handle or anything anything if not you can just be like go suns and we can yeah we can go. go suns man i got nothing right now all right man thanks take it easy This episode is brought to you by Mammoth Coolers. Summer is here and it's the perfect time to step up your cooler game and there's no better option than Mammoth. They make the best coolers since the ice age. Mammoth Icebergs are stainless steel reusable drink chillers. Think of them like space age ice cubes. Built with 18-8 kitchen grade stainless steel and insulated with high-tech thermal gel, will keep your drink cold up to two hours on a single freeze. The best part is the icebergs won't water down your drink and are completely reusable. All Mammoth products are backed by a lifetime warranty and shipped to the 48 continental United States. Visit mammothcooler.com that's m-a-m-m-o-t-h-c-o-o-l-e-r.com to order and use the offer code BEGONIAFM, all one word, at checkout to get 10% off your order. Make sure to use that code to let Mammoth know you came from us. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring this episode, and all of Begonia FM. Okay, it is time for Nick's picks like i mentioned at the top of the show we had a great week last week we hit on both of our picks and they were both positive odds we had the clippers to win versus the suns on the money line they're in game five the clippers last win in the series they won 116 to 102 so we won that handily that was a plus 200 and we had $15 on that. So we won $30 on that pick. And then on our second pick, we had the Hawks to win against the Bucks in game four and they were a plus 250 on the money line in that one. And so we had $15 on that as well and the Hawks won 110 to 88. So that was $15 to win $37.50. So that brings the ledger to we are down $79.64 with an overall record of 38 and 57 This is the closest we've been to the black since May. We are going to do it. This is the march back to the black. And what we're going to do here is we are going to continue to focus on basketball. So we're laser focused here on the NBA Finals. So let's go here. NBA Finals game one tomorrow night in Phoenix. Suns versus Bucks. The Suns are favored by six points in this one. They are a minus 250 on the money line. The Bucks are a plus 210 on the money line here for game one. And the over under is 217 points or 217.5 points rather. So That's all for just game one specifically. For the series, the Suns are a minus 170 and the Bucks are a plus 150. And then I I wrote down a couple other lines because they will come up here in a second. But you can bet specifically either side of that in like a certain amount of games. So the two lines that I pulled out were Suns and four, which is basically just a classic statement at this point. But Suns and four is... Plus 900 and sons in five is plus 350. So, this is what we're going to do we're going to put five dollars on the bucks game one money line, that's a plus 210. So, that's five dollars to win ten dollars fifty cents. Second pick we're going to do here is five dollars on the bucks game one with the six points, that's a minus 110. So that's $5 to win $4.55. For our third pick here, we're going to put $5 on the over for game one. So over 217.5 points. That's combined for the two teams. And that's a minus 110. So that again is $5 to win $4.55. But here's where we're going to have just a little bit of fun. We got $5 on the Suns in and like I said earlier, that's a plus 900 So that's $5 to win $45. But we might, I can't remember how the schedule works out. I do not believe we will know if we've hit on that by next week, even if the Suns are up 3-0. But just to kind of hedge that bet a little bit, just in case the Bucks win this first game, we've got some money on the Bucks, just specifically for game one there. And then also we're gonna put $10 on the Suns in five, just in case the Bucks steal one early. We still have a finals future bet that, that's it's still in play. And like I said, that's a plus $350, and we're putting $10 on that one. So that's $10 to win $35. I'll recap our five picks here quickly. We got $5 on the Bucks game one money line that's plus 210. So that's five to win 1050. Second pick is $5 bucks game one with the six points. That's a minus 110. And so that's $5 to win $4.55. Our third pick is $5 on the over 217.5 points. And that's a minus 110. So again, $5 to win $4.55. Then we are putting $5 on the Suns to win the series in four games. That's plus $900, so that's $5 to win $45. And then we're putting $10 on the Suns to win the series in five games, and that's a plus $350, so that's $10 to win $35. Those all can't be winners, but you know what? I think we got enough winners in there to continue our March Back to the Black But that is it for me this week. If you want to say hello, you can do that by sending an email to hello at begonia.fm or tweeting at me. My handle is at Nick Jayley. Thanks to Van Comerford for joining me. Thanks to Mammoth for sponsoring the episode. And thank you for listening.